Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in health IT, there are times where the news gets a little repetitive in health IT. So today we're going to take a walk through some of the polls I've done recently and discuss what the implications of those are. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing our next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Taucite, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. We have a webinar coming up. We have a webinar coming up all the time. So if you are interested in our webinars, go ahead and hit our website, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner, and you can find out what our next webinar is coming up. And we would love to have you there. Great conversations are happening there, and it would be great to have you there. All right, so every Monday, and I mean every Monday, I pop a poll out there. And sometimes the polls are fun. Sometimes they're more informative. I'll give you an example of a fun one this, this past Monday. And this poll's still open if you wanted to vote on it. I My birthday was yesterday, October 18th. And I got a MetaQuest 2 for my birthday. And I started using it. And, and I started thinking, you know, what are the practical applications of that? I thought, how could this be used for business? How could it be used for training? How could it use, be used for a bunch of things? And so I just threw a poll out there. Have you used a VR headset for work yet? And we have, let's see, 3,000 people have viewed it. We've got a bunch of votes. And uh, I'll let you vote on that if you would like to. But essentially, a majority of people have not used it and a minority of people have used it. And if you are in IT and technology, I would ask the question of why haven't you used it? Not for work per se, but why haven't you used it? This is one of those things where I like to get ahead of some of the things that are coming down the pike. VR, virtual reality, and augmented reality are going to be here, and it's going to be the next significant wave, I think, in computing. In fact, I've lived through a fair number of them. If I think about it, being nostalgic here, having uh, just had a birthday yesterday. But if I think about it, the 80s was about the personal computer. And we lived through that, standing up the personal computers, putting them into networks, and then moving stuff into data centers and whatnot. The 90s was really about the internet, connecting things up and making things, connecting to the larger ecosystem and sharing things across that ecosystem and whatnot. So that was really the 90s. The uh, 2000s was really about mobile. Uh, that's when you had the advent of the iPhone and all the things that it can do. But you had some mobile devices prior to that. But that's really where the, the mobile devices took off was in the th 2000s. 2010s, I would say, was about social networks. Yeah, I think it really was about social networks. And that, and that really drove a change in, in our behavior and how things happen. I think the 20s is going to be people would say AI and machine learning. And, and certainly that is true, but I think augmented and virtual reality in this same vein of things that are, are going to fundamentally shift how we interact with technology. 
I think it falls into that category. So I threw that poll out there. Love to hear what you're, you're thinking around this. Again, only been in the virtual world for a couple of days. I probably should have done this a lot sooner, but uh, I see the potential definitely in training and immersive training and those kinds of things. And potentially it's, it creates a solution to a problem that you are looking at. I have no idea, but just thought I'd throw it out there. All right. So let me give you some of these other polls. Monday poll. Here we go. 15,000 nurses went on strike in Minnesota. Do you see this as a trend more nurses unionizing or striking? And I put definitely likely, probably not. And no, and definitely and likely amount to 90%. So 90% of the people who answered this poll believe that the nurses going out on strike for whatever reason could be burnout, could be pay, compensation, not enough support in their staffing and those kinds of things, whatever it happens to be. They're, uh, 90% of the people who answered this poll said, yep, that's, that's a trend that's going to continue and that's going to not succeed in any, any, uh, you know, any time in the near future. And if that's the case, we need to be planning for that. How are you going to be doing more care potentially as the baby boom generation gets up there with less people? Interesting poll. Again, I'd love to have you come out. Every Monday, I throw a poll out there. Here's another one. Monday poll of the day. Today, we look at patient room. Which technology has the greatest potential to change the care setting? So as we looked at that, I put a time frame on it of about five years. So which technology has the greatest impact in the patient room over the next five years? And we have four technologies here. Ambient clinical listening, computer vision, remote touchless monitors, and care companions. And as you listen to that, I think people have a tendency to focus on what's here today and really making a difference today. So ambient clinical listening, close to 50% of the people say, hey, that's the one that's going to make the most difference over the next five years. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying people generally will look at the things that are right in front of them. Computer vision, about 30%. So there you go, 80% right there between ambient clinical listening and computer vision. And again, I don't disagree with that. I think computer vision has the potential to really make a huge difference, especially in the environment we just talked about, which is less staff being around. So if you needed your computers to have a set of eyes and be taking in information and to be automating some, some mundane tasks and taking that away and making your nurses much more efficient or your clinicians much more efficient, your computers have to have a set of eyes. So I think computer vision is going to be one of those things that really takes off and really has the potential to change things in the space. Remote touchless monitors, I think is interesting. I, I, I agree. It's not going to be as impactful, but it's going to be something that I think everyone's going to be looking at in the next five years. And then care companions. And, and by the way, that's a very small percentage. Care companions comes in at about 20%. A little less than 20%, or a little over 20%, actually. So computer vision is 28, ambient clinical listening is 46. Care companions. So these are the robot-like things that you see in hospitals. These are the robot-like things that we're going to put in people's homes to interact with them on a care basis. And when you think about it, it increases the number of touch points. And we're talking about this all the time. Increase the number of touch points you have with your patients. 
this is the way to keep them out of the hospital, keep them healthy and those kind of things. And the care companions can be something as sophisticated as literally a robot of some kind that, you know, just sits there and has a, a conversation with somebody who's up there in age and just ask them additional questions. How are you feeling today? You know, did you take your medication today? So forth and so on. It could be something that's sophisticated. It could be something a little less sophisticated. Maybe, maybe it's your phone that becomes your care companion. Not really sure what that looks like, but again, interesting set of categories. A week later I did, uh, I, I put out a poll and I, this one to me was one of the most telling ones and it was a hard poll, right? I know these are false choices. We have to address all of them, but if we were prioritizing them, which is the most important in your book? So biggest challenge in healthcare today. And I gave four solid competitors for this biggest challenge in healthcare today. So around health, health equity, flawed payment model, clinician burnout or unhealthy population behavior. So that is people eating too many Big Macs. And this one was interesting. So flawed payment model came in at 37%. So it's people saying, look, until you fix the payment model, we're going to continue to have this challenge or this problem or whatever problem in healthcare. So you need to fix the payment model. The next was clinician burnout. And the clinicians are being are burning out. And we talked about that yesterday on the show. And what are we going to do around that? If we continue to lose clinicians at this pace, we are going to have a serious, serious problem within healthcare. And then the, the final two were uh, unhealthy patient population behavior at 18% and health equity is 15%. And I thought this was interesting. It's not that health, I, I, I agree, health equity is a big problem and something we need to address, but it, it comes down to Maslow's hierarchy, to be honest with you. And it's, are you taking care of the basics before you try to take care of the really challenging, gnarly problems that exist in terms of bias in systems and and just the, the, the way we care for various populations? I know we can walk and chew gum at the same time, and we should be working on health equity along with the rest of these things. But it's interesting when you put things out there there, there is a, a Maslow's hierarchy that sort of exists and uh, where you have to take care of your basic needs before you can take care of some of the higher order needs within the system. And if you're losing clinicians at a record rate, there is going to be health equity and the health equity is going to be no one's receiving care. So you've got to address that problem first before you do anything. And then let's see, then Common Spirit suffered a significant ransomware event after growing through M&A to over $30 billion in revenue is oversight required. And so I just threw this one out there. Should the FTC or state regulators require health systems to provide a security or, or operational risk assessment prior to M&A? And this got a lot of conversation, actually, 24 comments on it. People asking, what exactly are you, are you asking for here? And Essentially, the conversation was about it's transparency and oversight. So it's transparency or transparency and accountability. I say it would be the two words. Transparency in that does the leadership understand what they are acquiring? If we do a complete security and operational risk assessment of a system before they get acquired, then we know that the leadership saw the challenges that exist. And then there's accountability for that. And the answers were absolutely who cares and no. 
absolutely came in at 77%. Who cares came in at four and no came in at 18%. And what's interesting is to, to me, I think our knee jerk reaction is get the, uh, get the state and federal regulators involved in this. It's the only way that you can really move healthcare. I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest with you, just because it's already an overregulated environment. And so I would like to find a way to get transparency and accountability without the regulators stepping in. And I'm not sure how that happens. And maybe the transparency and accountability is just how it's happening now. It's interesting. I read an article yesterday of don't throw stones at common spirit. And I, I was sort of reading it and I'm sitting there going, I, I think we, we play these things with kid gloves too often. We do know that we're the next target and all those things. And we have to be careful around that. But at the end of the day, if this, and this has already been three weeks, if these, uh, and part of their case is, hey, look, it didn't impact all of our hospitals, only impacted a certain number of our hospitals. And my question to you is, do you think the people in whatever city it it impacts, do you think the people in Wisconsin care that it didn't impact all your hospitals if their hospitals are on diversion and they can't go to them and they can't get their procedure done and they can't get their care done? No, they don't. And if you're going to choose to be this big, quite frankly, you have to provide the perimeter and the protection around the entire environment. And I'm not saying that you're not going to get a ransomware attack. I'm saying that your job is to provide the security controls and control the blast radius when somebody does get in. And taking down whole hospitals is not really acceptable. It's not like, oh, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. Anytime a hospital goes down for a period of time, it's a big deal. So I think we're giving people, we're giving common spirit a free pass because we want a free pass later, or they're interviewing vendors who want the opportunity to do business with common spirit moving forward. But at the end of the day, it's not acceptable. It's not okay. We've got to control the blast radius. And look, I understand some of you are listening to this saying, hey, that happened to my health system and we weren't prepared, that kind of stuff. I get it. I understand. But Common Spirit is a $30 billion in revenue operation. It means that they did not prioritize security well across the entire enterprise because they have the money, they have the people, they had the resources to do this. And there are organizations doing it with far less money and far less resources. So anyway, that's my rant for the day, but I'm not sure. Well, first of all, the FTC wouldn't make any sense to do this security and operational risk assessment, but the state regulators could do it and provide a little bit of, uh, of again, visibility, accountability. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but I threw the poll out there because my job is to get the discussion started and then obviously I did the the one on uh, virtual reality headset and what what's next around that. So love, love starting the conversation, love doing these polls, would love for you to check them out. Every Monday, I'm going to be throwing a poll out there and seeing what the pulse of the industry is. Yeah, so that's all for today. Tomorrow, we'll get back to the news. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Site Nuance, Canon Medical, Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.